I might. I might get crazy. You never know. Mage Talk is brought to you by Mojo Stratus. Stratus is true cloud auto scaling technology for Magento. Built by industry leaders and cloud architects, Stratus is a revolution in cloud hosting. Magento 2, no problem. Holidays, flash sales, no problem. 100% uptime or your money back. Give Stratus a try today, risk-free, and tell them Mage Talk sent you. Check them out today at magemojo.com. That's M-A-G-E-M-O-J-O.com. Mage Talk is brought to you by Vertex, the leader of tax technology solutions and services for corporations worldwide. They're a Magento premier partner trusted by over half of the Fortune 500. Vertex Cloud meets the sales and use tax needs for businesses of all sizes. Visit them online today at vertexsmb.com. This podcast is brought to you by Commerce Hero. Better way to find a Magento developer for your next project or full-time hire. Welcome to Mage Talk, the Magento Community Podcast. Hey, uh, this is brought to you by Mage Mojo, the creators of the one and the only uh, Magento cloud hosting solution in the whole world called Stratus. Magento Stratus. You know what? You know what Magento Stratus is not. It's not. It ain't your grandmother's hosting it, company. I, and I tell sure. you, it's not one that goes down for you know days at a time. Uh, uh, that you know host very important uh, award winning websites. So maybe you should. Mojo Stratus doesn't believe in downtime. You ask them well, what not downtime anymore, is, but yes, they don't. Yeah. It's not in their vocabulary. They used to believe, and then they you just know? decided. You know what? I've, I'm I'm old enough now. I can make up my own beliefs. I don't believe in downtime. Don't believe it. Just don't believe. You just know? don't believe Ref- in downtime. Refuse. To acknowledge its existence. Go check them out. Magemojo.com slash mage talk. Tell them Philip and Kalen sent you, but mostly Kalen. You don't like integrated <laughs> ads anymore. I heard this. You said you hate integrated. You saw you this. You went back and forth so on I was, this. I'm, I did go back and forth. I went very back and forth. I was listening to. So here's the deal. Okay. <laughs> anything Have that you, starts with here's the deal is going to be my deal. favorite part of anything. Here's the deal. New segment. Do it. By the way, this is a DTC thing, so you're going to be all over Here's this. Here's the deal with Are, Kalen and Philip. <laughs> have you tried the magic? What's it called? The cereal, the DTC cereal that's on every magic podcast. Magic spoon. Magic spoon. Yeah, low net carbs. Have you high tried it? Glycemic whatevers. I okay. have not tried it. Have so, you tried it? So Tim Ferriss, I have tried it. Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan. It's a, it's everywhere. It's all over the. It internet. is all over Everybody's the. Like, it's, it's amazing. It's everywhere. I tried it and it was in a word. (laughs) You know what makes cereal awesome? Carbs uh, and sugar. Yeah. That's, that's (laughs) what made this ad so compelling is that they were like, they said it tastes just like real cereal. And I believed them because they said in their own dang voice. This is the, oh, is this how it ties in? You don't believe the integrated ad anymore. Yes. I got it. Yes. So it made me, you know, and then I was listening (laughs) to some other random podcast and they had someone else reading the ads. Yep. Yep. Right. And I was like, good, good. Because now I trust every word that comes out of the host's mouth. Oh, it gives and you less of an opportunity to distrust the host if yeah, you have a bad experience. Yeah, because oh well, you and I blew all yeah. trust that we had a long time ago, so that's not a problem. Well, it is what it is. <laughs> it is what um, it is. Did you see that whole eye mouth eye thing? Yes. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I didn't. I sort of. I think I finally, in the end, did understand yeah. it. Yeah. It's not a product. No. It was a. It was a, a hoax. Uh, it, it was yeah. a hoax that was disguised as a social uh, movement, which actually in the end did raise, I think, something like $60,000 for a bunch of underfunded, uh, uh, you know. So it's not fair to call it a hoax. It, it, was, it, was, it was cleverly it was, it was cleverly executed. A social media sensation. Socially engineered project. Uh, I assumed was a product was not, it did not end up being no. a product. You know, That's what all. was really interesting but, about the hype machine behind it. And if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, actually, good luck. <laughs> if you don't know, try uh, Wired that. has an excellent, uh, um, if you literally Google in plain English, I mouth, I, you'll find a wired article. Uh, and in fact, it worked its way into my future, uh, or Brian's future commerce ep- essay this past week. Um, where we kind of work it into a bigger narrative, but yeah, it's, it's a really interesting sort of socially engineered, uh, 
app release hype sort of movement that uh, amounted to a bunch of nothing. Um, as far as like what what they did was weaponize sort of the hype culture in Silicon Valley uh, to bring a lot of visibility to underfunded uh, social justice movements. But all that aside, I think it was so successful because the people behind it worked at like Stripe and Square and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And they know right. how to exploit they know how the internet works. They know how they know exactly yeah. how to do it. Um, right. Which in and of itself is not, is not nothing in and of itself is, is, is kind of fascinating. And like you said, in the end, they will erase some money for some good causes. And, so and the, by the it's, way, it's, too, it's there neat. wasn't like three of them. There were 60 people behind it, which also helps to amplify it. Right. When you have 60 people working right. in concert, uh, this is, is this a Tim Ferriss thing or no, this was a, uh, Andreessen Horowitz thing is like, all you need is a hundred. Like a Mark mm. Andreessen thing is like, all you need is a hundred. You need a hundred loyal f- followers. Like I'll take a hundred loyal followers that will do that, that I can point at any one thing I care about to be my voice. Mm. I'll take that over 150,000 passive people that do nothing, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Totally. So you right. can create entire movements um, online apparently with 60 people. That's crazy. And make news by the right. way. And three emojis yeah. that look a little creepy. <laughs> it's very creepy actually. Anyway, that their, their tagline was, it is, it is what it is. It is what it is. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. But back to the cereal um, thing. So you ate the cereal. Now you have seven boxes of it laying around. Well, first of all, these are not cheap boxes. Of it's cereal. the most expensive these cereal are, you will ever buy. These are, I got the package deal. I got four boxes. I think it was 60 bucks, 30 bucks. <laughs> 30 bucks. It was like, it's like eight. Do- Here's what I don't understand about DTC is, is like, yes. Okay. It's great that we're getting the best of the best of the everything. Everything is the best, the best cereal in the universe. Are we ever going to get to a point where pricing is somewhere reasonable? And like, can you give me a mattress, which is like a very decent, good mattress, which, um, you know, I can buy online with great customer service. It's not the best mattress. It, you know, there's not purple scientists that have, <laughs> that have uh, worked on it for decades. You know mattresses, I mean? hey, mattress is probably the, the wrong category because the, the uh, supply chain and the infrastructure that it takes to just make the thing and then get it to you and then do something with it if you don't want it. That's probably that's a that's a diff- more difficult edge case. Um but I, I, I feel like it's true about every, literally every category. They're all, it's always a premium. Uh, well, right. Uh, yeah. Product, I mean, it's anything, which is great as a business model. I anything mean, I'm all for you, that. you drive the, the, you drive price down at scale, right? Because you can, you get some, uh, efficiency at scale in, you, you have greater leverage with your supplier partners to get greater margins. You have uh, greater leverage with your payment solution partners because you can reduce, uh, you know, per transaction fees because you're driving higher volume. Same with your logistics partners, like as businesses. I just feel like price never gets driven. Well, down. brandless uh, was sub two dollar items uh, and they went out of business. Okay. So um, oh. <laughs> public goods, actually, you want it. You want a really interesting one. I'd love your take on this because this I, I don't think you're this kind of, of how cheap I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> there is a business that's been out for a little while called Italic, which I just signed up for oh. their membership. Saw so you post ninety nine dollars a year. It's a, it's a membership, but you get you get unbranded luxury goods at cost mm. from the manufacturers themselves. So if you want like wow. cookware from all clad rather than paying six or $700 for a cookware set, set of stainless steel cookware or ceramic coated cookware, you'll get it for like mm. 180 bucks. If you wanted, wow. if you wanted like a John Varvatos, you know, uh, leather coat rather than paying $700 for it, you would get it for 180 bucks. Um, and yeah. so they're doing this model of we're, we're selling on membership and we're selling at cost. Our membership is our product. Access to the goods is the product. Interesting. And it is a very interesting That's business model. Really and I think it, it hits on the things that you're talking about, which is like this desire to have something that feels more custom to you and, but come at a cheaper price, but also somewhat like exclusive, like you're in the know in the club and that's what direct to consumer has been about. But no, unless something hits scale, dude, I, I, I mean, the price is always going to be a problem. 
Yeah. And I, I mean, it's from a business model perspective, that's, uh, it makes all the sense in the world. I just wonder as a consumer, I just want to buy cheap stuff. Well, that's what um, the Henry conversation has been about for so long is that they focus on that person that has a lot of disposable income, the high earner, not rich yet person. It's like, I make a ton of money and I'll waste it on pretty much anything that I feel like is worth it. Um, especially when it comes to healthcare and fitness centered products and, you know, premium, uh, you know, premium options. Yeah. And it makes sense as a business to cater to that customer for sure. Um, so that, that probably is the answer to my question. Um, but this, um, this gets us into our topic for today. Oh, what is the topic uh, today, Kalen? Which is, so here's the thing we're, we're talking about, um, I've been thinking a lot about remote work. We're, um, uh, not just remote work, but, um, here's where this plugs in workflows, how, like, I'm very interested in how people uh, break up their day, how they schedule things in. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking a lot about when am I doing my coding? When am I doing stuff like this, podcast conversations, whatever. And um, I was uh, interested in like how you're doing writing. I've also been doing a little more writing just in terms of journaling. Nothing nearly as heavy, obviously, as you guys do. Um, but I've been following some different people that talk about writing and things like that, and the importance of writing, David not only Perel, for the writing probably. itself, uh, Real, David Perel, right. yeah, because of the way in which it clarifies your thinking, mm. in the the way in which that, like I saw, I, I, somebody said something to the effect of, you don't write to just communicate what you think, you write to find out what you think, right? There's like yeah. a discovery process, and I, I kind of see that a little bit when I'm journaling, I'm kind of just you know, like brain dumping and all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, there's a, there's a neat little insight, you know? Um, and I realize I'm really curious, uh, what your process is because I tend to think of you as like the podcast guy, the speaker guy. Right. Um, but like you've, you've with, with future commerce, you, you got the nine by nine report, which is this massive report. Um, I don't know if you wrote that directly. Yep. I know you have market research and stuff like yep. that. And then there's stuff like the Carly thing, which is that acronym you came up with that got some press and um, the new formal idea that you guys came up with, which I just randomly over the weekend, I was like walking to the pool, listening to this podcast. And they were talking about staying in versus going out. And then that phrase just popped to mind for me. And I was like, that's a really sticky phrase. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, I th- thought it'd be interesting to talk about you know, your, your workflow for how you, you know, how you do your writing. Uh, well, so I, it's like anything else. It's when, uh, I I was recently on a, um, I was able to speak to Adyen's, uh, global, uh, team that's based out of London. Um, and, uh, uh, Brian, uh, from Adyen's partner team, uh, had seen me speak at Magento Imagine a couple of times. And he asked me to come and kind of give sort of my weight loss story to, to them. And the thing I open up a conversation like that with is, you know, don't ask me how I lose, how I lost the weight because everybody knows how to lose weight. You just sometimes like putting in the work is the problem. Eat less, yeah. Eat exercise less, exercise more. more. Period. <laughs> like you know what it is. Yeah. There's no silver bullet. Yeah. Um, right. And so, really, like to be a better writer, you just have to write more. <laughs> like, and right. and to have better ideas, you have to like you have to be in the the constant process of like ideation and and I think to be a better writer, you have to be uh, a more prolific reader. Uh, to be a better musician, you have to consume other music. Like I, I've always found as an artist, as a musician, I find my own style and my own tone by trying to copy what other great people have done and building on having learned that there's a, like a muscle memory Mm. you build. I feel like it's the same in anything else. And can I, can I say one thing about my wife? Can I complain about my wife? So my wife can hear us. So now, now we're not going like, this is not going to get published now, uh, depending on what you say right now. We're going to. We're going to go, we're going to go hard now. <laughs> so my wife can, can hear a song, yeah. uh, and play it by yeah. ear. And my wife will, will, you know, it's like, oh man, I, I, I wish I had more or less. She didn't get quite, she doesn't know how to read music quite as, as much. And so anyway, she, so she wants our kids to learn that and stuff. And she's always like, oh yeah, I wish I had lo- gotten that training. And I'm like, dude, you can, 
place. You already I have the kill. yeah. You, you have that talent. I would right. chop my arm off <laughs> and feed it to my. You know, if I could play it like hear a song and play it by ear. Like I'm the guy that looks up the chords and is like G G G G G C C C. You know. As, uh, anyways, but that's an acquired that skill too. That ties into what you're saying. But I think about that's an acquired skill too. Like you find you find the the skill that she acquired is the same as the skill you acquired. It's just focused in a different direction. She acquired a skill to play by ear. You acquired a skill to, you know, play by, you know, watching and see, like you both acquired a skill. You just happen to value one that she has that you don't. And that is, that's how I think of things now. When I see people like David Perel, who we just mentioned who has a newsletter and a podcast. I think the true North podcast is what it's called. He has writing courses, self-employed. It's like 25. The guy prolific writer wrote like a killing the game. I forget what he did. Like he did like a hundred thousand word piece on someone of note. I forget who, um, Oh, was it, was it, was it, um, uh, not Elon Musk, but the, uh, investor guy, um, the investor guy of all investor guys, <laughs> Warren uh, Buffett. No, 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 no. Silicon Valley. Peter. Thiel. Yes. I think, uh, I think it was. Yeah. It was a hundred thousand words yeah. on like Peter Thiel. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, good point. So, uh, but David Perel for as young as he is, is, you know, quite prolific as, you know, a writer. And I think it's because he, he puts in the work, he puts in the reps and, um, that's all he thinks about, right. Where, uh, it, it's, it's an incredible thing. Um, a lot of his writing courses and the people that I've seen that have talked about the writing courses he's take that they've taken from him is really just like forcing you to have to write and think about things differently than what you already do. And so, so why, why write? Like I am the podcast guy. I'm the guy who gets on a microphone and talk talks, but as I've been asked to do things outside of the podcast realm, like keynote, uh, Magento Imagine, I'm asked to have something that's incredibly repeatable and predictable. And it requires me to have to commit to a thing that I want to say. And that requires me to have to sit down and write it down. And after you do that enough, you start to think about things in reverse. You, It's no longer just extemporaneously spewing ideas and externalizing ideas. It's using that as the method to put it out into the world so that you can then commit to the message. So a lot of times you want to talk about like how I create something like the new formal. I'm talking about the ideas a lot. And then I, I happen upon something that I'm like, okay, Ooh, that's pretty good. And I'm, I'm like journaling it. I write it down. I expand upon it. And that's the process. Like what is your, yeah. Like, like I'm curious what your um, schedule looks like. Like, do you have a daily schedule for, journaling, writing, yes, but things COVID like that. has messed everything up. Let's just say that because my, my schedule used to be, uh, kids are out the door by seven 30 in the car to go to school or I walk them to school or like bike them to school. However, they're getting to school. We're out the door by seven 30 and I would ride my bike to work. Bike ride to work is 11.6 miles each direction. And, and then like bikes, like bike riding or exercise, yep. like a lot of times you're getting ideas, 100%, right? When, because if you, especially yeah. if you turn off the noise, like don't listen to something and like occupy your mind, let your mind wander, you know, and, or wander or wonder. <laughs> we don't have enough wonder anymore. You ever, you ever think about mm. that? That like, we just, yeah. like there's, yeah. there's no, like, I don't know. We need more awe and more wonder and yeah. like not knowing how things work. I, we used to do this thing um, uh, with a few folks at something digital. We go out for drinks or something and we, someone would ask a question and I would scream, don't look it up on your phone. Let's all fight about it for right. the next 30 minutes. Right. Because totally. like totally. it used to be, people used to like no argue Google. who was the best basketball player of all time. And now you can look up empirical evidence and say, well, it depends on what you define yeah. as the best. Is it rebounds? Is it, you know, is it uh, a percentage uh, inside the, you know, whatever. So, and then you can look it up and then you can debate about the, like, which one matters. Nah, none yeah. of that's important. We all need to just like learn to wonder a little bit more. So that's what I did. And yeah. then when I got to the office, I'd shower. So we shower at the office and so then I'd sit down and you, write for you, about 45 minutes um, in journal. When you would, when you'd ride on your bike, um, would you, li did you, would you not listen to anything? Would you listen to nothing at all? Right. No. So you're just straight to the dome. Yep. Like, 
yeah. you're just, you know, you've got the, uh, you hear yourself breathing. There's sort of like a meditative yeah. thing, right? Like, yeah. uh, yeah. breathing with, uh, there's breathing exercises you can do for endurance, which are, um, sets of 10. Uh, there's this thing I learned about, uh, you know, this, like an endurance technique, um, when I was working on my 50 K, uh, running, uh, 50 kilometers, which I finished in December is just, you can endure pretty much anything for 10 seconds. And you can trick your brain into prolonging that by starting the counter over at 10. So I, it's just mm. counting to 10 and then counting to right. 10 again and keeping track of that. Nice. And um, yeah. I keep 10 sets of 10 and then 10 sets of that. And like pretty soon you're mm. counting to a thousand. You don't realize it. It's, it's a technique, but right. very meditative. And I, yeah. Are you into nasal breathing? I am. I, Are, where I did you discover a, this? I, Dude, the other day I heard a three-hour podcast with um, uh, what's the guy's name? There's like two guys that talk about this, but it was a three-hour podcast. Where we talked about all the benefits from that moment forward. Um, that was on Saturday. I've been doing it nonstop, and it 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 totally blew my mind to pieces. There's this thing that comes um, up over and over again with uh, Maffetone heart rate training, um, like low heart rate training for endurance. And they basically say something to the effect of that, which is, uh, you can't breathe through your nose if your heart rate is above a certain percentage threshold for your body, like, or mm. like at your endurance level. So if you only, if you exclusively try to train with nose breathing only, uh, it's a pretty good like threshold. Mm. It, it, it's, it's keeps you accountable. The first place yeah. I heard about it was Scott Jurek, uh, who is a famous ultra runner and, uh, Scott held for a number of years, the fastest known time on the Appalachian trail, ran it from, you know, ran the whole length of it, like 40, 50 miles a day, every day, uh, all the way to Katahdin from South to North. Um, he has a great book called North, uh, which is co-written by he and his wife who, uh, she assisted him on his fastest known time attempt. Um, nice. but, um, he has a book called Eat and Run. Uh, he's famously vegan and he talks about his nutrition and all that as an ultra runner um, where he talks about his breathing technique, which is, you know, primarily nose breathing. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. This was uh, James Nestor who yeah. wrote a book called Breathe. Yeah. 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 And uh, it was, it was, uh, so it was you really mentioned journaling. So. I, I, I would not classically define what I do as journaling because I don't want the okay. thing that I write to like, there's this sense that I have of having to be productive in all things. And I think that that creates like undue pressure on myself to need to be productive. Um, so then journaling instead of being, so then journaling turns into this like productivity. Exactly. It becomes like a thing versus... and I don't want it to be a thing that, you know, needs to be used or repurposed for work or for personal exploit. So I've, I've found that keeping journaling very specific to gratitudes is a way to keep myself in check there. Things I'm thankful for. And it always mm -hmm. starts with, you know, Jackie and Camille and Pierce, um, you know, my, my, my family, you know, and, um, rarely includes the cat. Um, definitely not so gra uh, grateful for the cat. Um, gotta work on that. <laughs> gotta work on that, that hard <laughs> attitude. Um, but yeah, and it just kind of like the mind sort of wanders from there and you find different ways to like challenge yourself to express that day to day. Um, there's some like absurdist things that I'll do sometimes that are, you know, try to defend an argument that I myself like find to be like defend a point of view, write a five paragraph essay. That's like defending a point of view that I don't hold myself, which requires mm -hmm. me to have to like think a little bit more creatively of how I might convince myself as a person who doesn't yeah. think that. Um, I, and because I know everyone's mind right now might go to something political. There are usually things like, why is the big Lebowski the best film ever created? Like it's nice. things like that, that, you know, it could be a subjective point of view. That is a thing that I don't necessarily believe that I'll think to myself was like, well, let me write a five paragraph essay. And so these are the things you're doing in that 45 minute writing. Yep. This is pre COVID after the bike ride, yep. 45 minutes of writing. Yep. And do you sort of give yourself permission to write about whatever comes to mind, yeah. whether it's related to future commerce, e-commerce, da, 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 or if it's 
the big Lebowski, like something ridiculous about a funny movie. Yeah, I mean, you just give yourself permission to yes. write about. Whatever. And uh, I think sometimes it's giving yourself permission to not have to have pen to paper that entire time. It's like sitting and staring and thinking is a big part of that too. Or capturing something that's like a, a deep thought that you had while you know in that meditation zone. For me, it, it was when I was you know working out or, or whatever. Like that. That's what it came from. It's all sort of changed now since COVID and we can talk about that, but that's, that was the gist. And that was like a multi-year thing for me from 2000, I would say early 2018 to, to now or from 2018 to March of 2020. Uh, that was pretty much a daily exercise for me. Right. Right. So it's, it's like, we talked about some of these specific um, things that you've put out and that have gotten some good results and stuff like that. But it's like, it's, it's not like you just knock those out one day. It's like, it comes back to, and this is one of the themes I hear a lot when it comes to creative output in general is like a lot of very creative people are very, have a routine, right? Whether it's writing in the morning when they get up or, you know, I think Stephen King talks about that and, you know, different authors and stuff like that. So you have this routine. It's, it's, it's a combination of, fitness, moving, motion, breathing, like writing. It's like lots of different things. And then over time, you sort of generate more and more insights and things like that. And then you kind of funnel those into different things that you're writing. You know, there's but a, there's an like idea saying, there too. Process. Like that's, that's a, if you make it part of your every day or almost every day, it's like, if it's part of your life, then it will get better over time. Like it's, you're going to get better at it over time, but the things that have gotten public attention that I have written, so nine by nine, you know, Brian and I wrote that all by hand and we sat down and we wrote every word, uh, no ghost writer. Like we, we went, we went to town on it. Carly, I wrote every word by hand. Like I sit down and it's, it's so funny. Cause like, I can't imagine, like I, like it's, we talk about how you, you know, used to be more of a developer and you're kind of not right, as much right, now. Right. And then I think of you as the podcast guy. I think of you as the running guy. I realize like, I can't even visualize you writing. Like it just <laughs> it feel like it's, I can't imagine that, you know, that's, but okay. that's a big, uh, yeah. that's, that's a big yeah. part of what you do. Well, you know? part I it, it's interesting. Abstract away the things that you just mentioned because those I think are all outcomes of something else that's deeper, which is discipline. I think it really is discipline. And you can if you become disciplined as a in any one area, I feel like you will unlock your ability to become talented in any other area. Totally. So if totally. you if you it just it depends on what you decide to apply that discipline to. And for us in June of last year, I believe. So I think we're a little over a year now on uh, FC insiders. Actually, no, 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 that's not true. August. I think we just did uh, uh, issue 46 of uh, future commerce insiders. And we took one week off uh, over Christmas break. So uh, 47 weeks, we've done it now. We committed that we will write an essay every week. And that requires, yeah. like when you put that out there into the world, you have given yourself a, like a public, uh, like you've put yourself out there and, and sort of created some accountability, uh, created some a public, public accountability, accountability, uh, to hold yourself accountable, especially when people sign up to your newsletter cause they want to read it. And so that means every day uh, or every week we have to put out a piece and we are challenging ourselves for it to be an original piece that's not tactical in the moment e-commerce solution. Like we want this to be a high, like we want to challenge it to be like high-minded, more on the like visionary side. I don't want this to be tips and tricks that go straight to your trash bin because they're not useful a year from now. Like the way that 14 you, hacks for your Shopify but the, store. Exactly. And that's not very durable. Right. But if I can teach someone how to think differently or think about like larger meta ideas, that's probably more useful a year from now. Right. Not there's nothing that's truly evergreen. Right. But that's that's kind of how, yeah. how we thought about it. And that's, you know, early on we were talking about I, Brian, some early ideas Brian had where it was like, what is art anyway? Like, can products be uh that you sell to people be a form of artwork. Um, mm, um, there was this other thing he had about like the, uh, having an audience first 
approach, like a Joe Rogan approach uh, to building an audience and then selling products to them as like a business model. Um, how that sort of relates to winemaking and this idea of like this, this, this idea of terroir and terroir and winemaking is like the, it's the taste of the earth. Like that nothing else can be, can, you can't replicate the land from that place anywhere else in the world. It can only happen there. That for him was Mm. like this. And I think those are high minded ideas that, you know, if we were better writers at the time, we probably could have done better justice to those ideas, but you can't like hold yourself to this thing that, you're never going to have a good idea again. Like you, like you don't save an idea in your back pocket because you got to freaking write an essay this week. So <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right, uh, right. one day you'll be a better writer and the better idea and a generalized idea or a, like less valuable idea at the time will be made better by your having been a better writer. So you just got to keep showing up, you know? Right, 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 right. And then sometimes um, the more ideas you generate and put out there, you think like, oh, I'm not going to have another. And then the more you start Correct. to have, and it's almost like this, um, this, this waterfall, like it's like you prime the pump and then it, you know, stuff just keeps coming. Um, so, so there's the 45 minutes of writing is that, um, oh, so question. So like when it comes to me, this is my other thing, notifications, meetings, interruptions. I think this is a big uh, a big thing that people are struggling with. I have strong opinions on, yeah. do you, how do you car? I'm guessing that you had that time carved out that you're not going to get interrupted. It's, so, it was naturally carved out. That's why it was in the beginning of the day because the, there you, go. you know, it like no meeting was going to happen before 9am Eastern. And, uh, to be done with that sort of writing by 845 kind of kept me in a, in a good spot. Plus I could still have coffee, et cetera. This is my, this, you want to talk about accountability. This is the accountability. The accountability is get off your freaking device because there's unlimited distractions so you there. By hand. Yeah. There you go. And you know, I mean, when you keep it to something like gratitudes and you don't have to like quickly like spew out a thousand words about something that's like really in depth, like that's, again, all these are sort of like, for me, this is what works. Um, yeah. And it's priming the pump to be more creative later in the day. Like I'm, I'm, I'm getting a lot of that sort of, like I'm starting the creative process and that doesn't mean it ends at the end of like a 45 minute writing. Like then I spend eight hours, nine hours of my day talking to brilliant people all day long, like people in at something digital people for future commerce, people, you know, that are in our partner networks, but like amazing operators, brand owners, founders, VCs. Like I talk to these brilliant people that challenge me every day. And I feel like that's yeah. part of it too. Right. Let's face it. Magento can be a beast to run in the cloud. And that's why Stratus by Mage Mojo is hosting Evolved. Say goodbye to dedicated DevOps teams and complex cloud architecture. With Stratus, you get a rock-solid architecture that's built on Amazon AWS and true cloud auto scale. Never worry about capacity planning ever again with the full power of AWS that's behind your site. Backed by Magento Cloud Architecture Geniuses at MageMojo on technologies like ECS, Kubernetes, Aurora, and also a 15-minute SLA that's the fastest in the entire industry, you can be sure that your site is in good hands with Stratus. Give it a try today, and we know you won't be disappointed. Head over to magemojo.com slash magetalk and get started. That's M-A-G-E-M-O-J-O dot com slash magetalk. Thanks again to Mage Mojo for the continued support of Mage Talk. Mage Talk is brought to you by Vertex. Vertex is a Magento premier partner, providing cloud and on-premise solutions that can be tailored to specific industries for every major line of tax, including sales and use, income, value added, and payroll. Vertex Cloud is the SaaS solution that automates sales and use tax, including calculation and returns. With multiple service levels and flexible pricing models, Vertex Cloud meets the sales and use tax needs for businesses of all sizes, from recognizable brands like Honda, Pepsi, and Verizon to small businesses the world over. Find out more today at vertexsmb.com and be sure to mention Mage Talk to get 15 months for the price of 12. Once again, that's vertexsmb.com.
to ask you, like, do you have a process too, or, or do you, do you write yeah. at all? Or is um, that a, is that, is that a so, thing? So, yeah. So I've started journaling and I used to, um, hate the idea of journaling, uh, uh for some reason. And so I started doing that. I've been kind of stacking habits. Um, Ooh, what is that? You know, so there's this phrase habit stacking. I can't remember who it came from. I don't know if it's James clear or, um, somebody, <clears throat> but it's kind of the idea of like, you have one habit, like, let's say you've got that morning, uh, bike rider for me, like I have the gym and then after the gym, you tack something onto it or like whatever. So I've just been, um, you know, trying to build different things in, whether it's exercise, meditating, journaling, um, things like that. And just like massaging my schedule and stuff like that. Like I tend to do coding in the morning. I've been, I've been doing that, uh, a lot recently. Um, and then, yeah, the journaling I, I've been doing at night and, um, yeah, hmm. it's been, it's been really good. It's been really good. I find that, um, I'm able to kind of synthesize ideas from the day, um, you know, generate ideas and stuff like that. I'm not really doing a ton of writing, but I'll record little video clips here and there and write up some, some pieces from them and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, but like, I'm really feeling good about my schedule cause I have, um, like it, it feels very balanced. Like I'm coding in the morning. Mm. Um, and then I'm getting my work done, my email, that kind of, a, that kind of stuff. Um, doing Twitter. Um, and then I'm also having some really good, like off of Twitter time throughout the day. So I kind of have like, I'm on Twitter a good bit, but I, but it, it's more productive. It's more generative. It's more like I'm, I'm finding interesting ideas and thinking as opposed to just sort of like being that like yep. mo monkey mind where you're just, you know, it's less reactive. Um, and then, and then I'm going to the gym in the middle of the day. Um, and that's been really good. That's been a good break. And then, you know, lunch and then, um, yeah. And then like, I'm starting to want to do more of these podcasts and conversations kind of in the, in the afternoon, um, I find is a good time for me, but like, I, I just really, I like figuring out where to plug in different things and like what state of mind I'm in, like what mode I'm in throughout the day, um, in terms of being creative or whatever, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I was thinking today, I was like, I feel really balanced, like in terms of, Ooh, that's really good. Physical stuff, yeah. creative output, feeling productive, but I, I can also be very all or nothing. I can be very, I'm going to just work, 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 work to a point where, you know, it's not as healthy. And then I'm really distracted yep. around my family. And, and then, and then I'll go for a day or two without really any quality time with my kids. Um, mm. and so I get that in every day. It's not necessarily a huge multiple hours, but I get in that hour at the pool or whatever it is, no phone, none of that. We're, um, you know, we're actually spending time together. We're playing, we're laughing, we're having fun. Um, and so, yeah, just, just breaking things up and, and, uh, stuff like that. I'm feeling, feeling good about, and then just, you know, trying to keep iterating on that. You know, I feel like I struggle with the, uh, right now. So we talked about pre COVID sort of talk about, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, in this moment of, uh, COVID right now, which it's so strange. I was so excited to kind of get back to my routine. Um, especially in the summer here where yeah. the days are longer, you know, it's, it's, uh, light at about six Oh five here and, uh, sunset in, uh, at least where we are is like eight 30, eight, eight 25, something like that. And so that means that my entire bike ride would be in sunlight. And that's great because it, in the, in the e uh, evenings in the winter, it's dark at four thirty five o'clock and it's yeah. treacherous to ride my bike home, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was yeah, really yeah, looking yeah, forward yeah. to it. And I'm like, I really want to get back on the bike to, um, you know, on the commutes. And I really wanted to get back to the office because I like that routine, sort of like this forced routine, which is great. Also for what it's worth, I like boundaries and I'm big on boundaries and working from home. I feel like I kind of can be on until six 30 
And so I am on until like six, six thirty. Whereas if I'm riding home in traffic on my bike and I have to beat the sun, I want to be out of the office by five o'clock, you know, like yeah. I, I, I need to be out cause I have to get home. Otherwise I won't see my it's kids. It's like a forced boundary. It is. Yeah. It's a great boundary to have. And, and, uh, it, and it's an imposed one because like, then I leave my computer at the office and it doesn't come home with me. Like there's a lot of nice things around that. And it's part of the reason why I stopped working from home to begin with, which was a choice. Like I chose to stop working from home. I could still work from home if I wanted to, um, which I am obviously, uh, uh, this is, you know, but, but so I had planned on going back to the office last week, actually, after July 4th holidays, uh, we were reopening, um, you know, lots of services in Florida, West Palm beach opened up, uh, you mm. know, about a month and a half ago officially. Mm. And, uh, but with the numbers on the rise in Florida and COVID cases and a lot of the sort of like, just be honest with you, like the like anti-mask rhetoric that happens in public right now. Like, I just don't want to be exposed to all of that. Like there's a lot of negativity and I just don't need it. And yeah, so I I'm delaying going back to the office and it's, that's the choice that I'm making. And there's a lot that comes along with it and like having to exercise self-discipline. It's part of the reason why I set this arbitrary challenge for myself to run 40 miles on my 40th birthday is like, I need something to work toward, but I also need something to like put out there into the public to have like accountability over on the, you know, to, so that I'm consistent in my, you know, routine and running, et cetera. So. Yeah. 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 That can be definitely helpful. Um, yeah. And I think that, uh, the, um, the COVID stuff is, is hard on everybody. It's some of these things, like you're describing them can seem like minor things like, Oh, you can't go to the office, but you're still working from home, but it's mostly pretty much the same. Um, but it, it really isn't like Mm. all of those parts of your routine that help you to have balance and help you to switch in and out of different modes cleanly, um, are such an important part of, of you know, kind of staying healthy, staying productive, staying mentally, you know, healthy and kind of sharp and stuff like that. So yeah, all these things on the one hand, you can be like, ah, this isn't that big of a deal. Um, but when you're making progress, um, and, and, and kind of adding things to your routine and building momentum, and then you kind of feel like you're going backwards by months, several months or whatever, because, you know, you don't have that same routine. It can be, can be kind of frustrating. Well, there's the, there's the other side too, where, um, you know, I have, I have to, I have to make a decision around, you know, if I spit, if I go to the office and I'm on my bike, I'm probably not taking, you know, breakfast and lunch with me. So there is like, there's other things that I think are benefits of being at home. Like, benefit of being at home is I'm not spending any money at coffee or Starbucks or I'm not like, you know, going out to lunch with people and spending money there. So there, I have extreme consistency in not having to make decisions around things like food. So I eat the same thing for breakfast every day. You know, I drink, uh, my cup of coffee. It's exactly the same every day. I drink my, or I have my, uh, lunch is exactly the same for me every day. And it's just, it's sort of that decision fatigue that I've been able to like eliminate, which is yeah actually really nice. Like, yeah. Uh, so there are benefits. I'm not saying it's all been a suck fest, but yeah, but just specifically from like the work from home piece, I, I, I feel, I feel like I, I have, you know, I have received or or I have received a lot from being at home. I'm with my kids more often. I'm around them. I'm helping them in the middle of the day with stuff, especially with school. It looks like Florida schools won't open in August. And um, so I'll be able to be home more frequently to help them with that. Like I have to look on the bright side, Um, you know, uh, and life is long, dude. I mean, I, I think, I think, you know, gosh, I, my, my, Camille is nine now, you know, she's halfway out the door. (laughs) She's halfway on her way to college. Uh, if college exists by the time she's 18, um, 
everything will be great courses plus in YouTube by then. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I have to look at the bright side and kind of take this moment for what it is. Yeah. And I mean, I think this is, I know we haven't talked too much about Magento, but I think that this is relevant to obviously everybody right now, um, on a general level. And when it comes to like writing or being creative, um, I mean, everybody in the Magento community is trying to put out content, you know, um, a lot different of types of content, yeah. whether a lot of people, I mean, I say everybody as an, as a generalization, but whether that's, uh, a lot of people putting out video, a lot of people doing blog posts, a lot of community building. So I think this is relevant to, um, everybody, you know, uh, whether you're writing code or writing blog posts or whatever. Um, I think it's, I think it's all similar. Can I, can I make one suggestion? Um, yeah, I read probably 15 newsletters a week Mm. and that forces me to be like, if it forces me to make a decision on like, is this useful content? Is this like, is this, this person writes differently to how I would write? Um, there are, I, I subscribed recently to a, a generation Z newsletter called high T it's a Substack, mm. And the way she writes is like, I write in a very business formal, high minded, like, you know, uh, uh, highfalutin sort of a way. That's how I mm-hmm. think it's how I think it's how I talk. Like I make extensive use of vocabulary. It's not a lot of colloquial colloquialisms, she writes in the exact opposite way. And I love that. Like it challenges Mm. me to think about how I communicate my own tone. And, um, it's so I, the, you want to be a better writer. You have to read other writers. You want to be a better programmer. You got to look at what other programmers are doing. You want to be like to be better yourself at anything. I think you have to be a prolific consumer of the genre of the thing that you're creating. Right. Like, I think that's a, a truism. Um, yeah. That's weird. I go back and forth. Like I had this reading phase where I was reading books and, um, I, I just, I haven't, I really haven't been doing much long form reading. And, and most of the time I feel bad about that. I feel like that. I feel like, um, you know, you're fundamentally consuming lower quality information. Let's say if you're just on Twitter or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Probably true. And then at the same time, I go back and forth and I go, I, I think it depends entirely on what's on your Twitter feed. You know, if you're reading Paul Graham, if you're like you said, Dave Perel, lots of people have very sort of high quality output mm-hmm. on Twitter. Um, I, I'm basically justifying the fact that I, I, I don't <laughs> like to read long form. Um, but I think you can get a lot out of, you know, short form. But um, this is probably one of those things I'll look back on and be like, yeah, you're right. I should have just, you know, a lot of people are getting into newsletters. Well, I said and, newsletter, and- like I said, newsletter, I, I, I believe that's like an easy way to sort of enter into it also to kind of like have a varied palette uh, every week. Right. And kind of decide whether you want to look at something or not, or whether it's worth your time, you can skim it. I'm, I am, I have gone through phases of being like a prolific reader. And I like right now I'm in a bit of a, I'm in a bit of a, uh, a lull <laughs> there. Um, I'm currently rereading, uh, David Epstein's, uh, range, which talks about like generalists and, um, and like how generalists can succeed in the world, which I think is actually quite a good read. Um, and I read, this book, which I kind of quit halfway through because it kept saying the same thing over and over, which <laughs> it's like a problem in pretty much all nonfiction literature. Um, it was called the, yeah, I think it's, I think it's Naval Ravikant who says, you know, you don't have to read books. Start like, to finish, start to finish the whole right. thing. Right. Like if you've like, got the gist, jump, you got the gist, right. Yeah. Jump around, yeah. get the gist, start one book, start another, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, there was, uh, it's a book called the ruthless elimination of hurry. And, um, I'll just be honest, it's a religious text written by a pastor who, um, you know, basically burned out and said like, I'm not, you know, uh, here, here's what a more, you know, uh, uh, Christian life should look like if you're going to emulate Christ. Like there's this whole thing that he has that's like talking about like not being hurried, um, which I kind of like that. 
I love, like, I want to be that person. <laughs> so, um, you want to want to be that person. I want right? to want to be that person. Right. <laughs> there you go. That's better. That's a better way to say it. Those are the two books I'm in right now. Um, but it's been a couple weeks. Like I'm in them for now. I think I'm on week three. Um, where in the past I would have probably gotten through both of them in a week and move on to something else, but it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's not been such an easy time. Uh, I'll just cop out there and say like, <laughs> probably uh, there's probably more like, yeah, I could be dedicating more time, but I'm like, I spent, spent a lot, like I ran 43 miles last week. I spent a lot of time nice. running, so I'm not gonna, <laughs> and there's only so much time in the day. Nice. Um, nice. Um, I feel like we do, should we talk about this TikTok ban? Man, that's a jump. <laughs> Isn't that uh, a jump? It's it a is jump, a jump. Right? I love it. This is truly the <laughs> Philip and Kalen show. You know, screw everybody that just wants Magento stuff. Screw it all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's freaking talk about this because I have, dude, I got thoughts. I know you got thoughts. I know you got thoughts. I got thoughts. What do you think about the ticket? Well, can you like, uh, yes, 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 no for people that may not be. Yes, yes, no it. So, um, so basically, uh, TikTok, the social media app, which is, um, uh, is, is built, is owned by a company. I th I believe that U S TikTok app is a U.S. subsidiary. Uh, but the parent company's uh, Chinese. Correct. Uh, in, uh, based out of China. And so, yeah. um, principal investors a, are in Asia. The principal company is in Asia. Chinese. In China. It's right. the, it's the first, uh, well, it was an acquisition of musically, right? Yes. I was gonna say it's the first Byte dance is the, Chi is the parent company. And right. right yes. And it's the first really sort of mainstream competitor social media app that's not an American company. And it's been number one in the app store for it's, many weeks for almost a year and a half now. It's uh, yeah. got, you know, hundreds of millions of users and they tend to skew like it's taken over Snapchat. It's driving it is, culture. It it's is driving drives culture, culture right drives top, yeah. top radio hits, drives, you know, influencers, um, People are getting famous off of it. Uh, dances are making it to mainstream. Yeah. And um, somebody, I believe on Reddit, did a, a post recently where they reverse engineered the app um, pretty deeply and they found a bunch of wild stuff that it was doing as far as sort of spyware-ish type stuff. Data collection, yeah. Data collection. Um, and I don't remember the details around that, but, it, but basically... You know, um, that's the deal is that it, it collects a lot of information on people. It does stuff like if you try to disable it, it re-enables itself. It does all sorts of wild stuff. And this guy uh, uh, dove into all those details. Um, India uh, banned uh, TikTok recently. I want to say that was maybe a week or two yeah, week, ago. Yeah, two weeks ago or so, um, yeah, week and a half And of ago. course, India and China are having some skirmishes right now. <laughs> you could call it that. Right? Some little skirmishes. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so basically there's, uh, I think speculation that the U S is going to ban it any day now. Um, and corporate governance that's coming out in a bunch, a bunch of different areas. It's a, uh, something that I think is notable is, um, and something I've written about, talk about writing something I've written about quite a few times now on future commerce insiders, um, in absence, and this, you know, this, I'm taking a little bit of a political stand in one area, but in absence of executive branch leadership in the United States, we're seeing corporate governance and leadership. Uh, a good example would be um, uh, climate change. When uh, the White House uh, announced that they were going to pull out of uh, the Paris Climate Accords, you saw a lot of corporate leadership saying we're going to still abide by it right in in pre uh, covid closures in the united states early march you saw companies like starbucks and mcdonald's and others start putting in social distancing orders in place ahead of executive branch orders and so right. i think that there's this interesting absence of leadership where corporations are beginning to fill in the gap and i sense that's what's happening here too we're now two weeks into all of this conversation about India as a government government banning TikTok. And we saw this past week, uh, Amazon as a company uh, release a uh, personal employee device uh, guideline and Wells Fargo asking all of its employees to remove it from devices. And, and by the way, I believe that the U.S. military had it 
banned That's for correct. quite a while. That's they didn't correct. let any yeah. military personnel have it installed on their devices. Interesting because that that was actually uh I think you could probably say that they broadened an already existing policy. There was a, a skirmish a couple years ago, Strava, which is a fitness app puts out a heat map, like a global heat map of where activities happen all over the globe um, mm. that are GPS tracked. And even if they were public or private, like it's a heat map. So you can explore the globe and you can see where mm. there's a lot of like hidden gym places to like ride your bike gotcha. or go for a run. Well, it yeah. turns out a lot of US military were using Strava during training runs and training programs and exercises. And Strava oh. accidentally showed where there was where like, the training, where these training, training activity was. activities were. And so, <laughs> so they've had a policy in place for a long time around the use of social media, regardless of the like genre, whether it was fitness center gotcha. or not. Um, but right. this was okay. broadened to ex include TikTok in particular. Right. I think this is right. fascinating, by the way. Did you look at the Reddit post and I did, I, I read it, um, trying to remember uh i'm gonna i'm gonna pull it up i did read it i was like holy cow there's a lot going on there um but i did was it like being in this business none of it's surprising to me like i'll be honest with you it's it's nothing that facebook doesn't do to some degree already if you've enabled facebook messenger on your phone when you install facebook messenger it says do you want to use facebook messenger for sms and if you say yes, it harvests every SMS you've ever sent ever. So if you've ever had right. this sense that like something you talked about with a friend is now like being marketed to you on Facebook, that's because you are a hundred percent correct because it doesn't just, it's not listening to you. It doesn't need to. It's looking at every text message you've ever sent. And if you use WhatsApp as a messenger product, it's looking at every message you have ever sent. And those are things that like, I don't think is unique to, I mean, Facebook is a private corporation where TikTok, you know, might be a, you know, a corporation that's subject to the rules and the like whims of the Chinese government, which makes it a little bit different. Um, yeah. but yeah, I'm trying to, I'm, 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 I'm trying to digest this, uh, article here, uh, uh, trying to remember some of the salient points which is never a good idea to do uh to do <laughs> on the live, fly live recording but, you know what you uh, could do is just get really angry and rant about something that tends to work for us <laughs> uh they set up a local proxy server on your device for transcoding that can be abused i thought that was a little kind of wild it has no authentication um i mean i guess you're right i i, I don't know this particular guy said specifically that um, he has reverse engineered Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, Twitter apps, and he said it's night and day. The the, the level of surveillance um, is is just night and day. Uh, but yeah, I can't really have a too too much of an intelligent discussion of the details. I mean, point taken, right? The fact that Messenger can slurp up all your SMSs, yeah. Um, slurp, so, yeah. Slurp is a great word. Have, have you do you do you remember pod slurping? Pod slurping? No. <laughs> uh, I think it was circa 2006 or seven when iPods were, you know, sort of brand new yeah. um, or, or a few years old. Uh, I worked for a company that one day uh, had the IT team came in and squirt hot glue into every USB port on every machine. And the question was like, well, why? And they're like, well, we're very concerned about data theft because of pod slurping. And if you don't know what pod slurping is, it was like you can install an app on an iPod that when you plug it into a USB port, it would just start oh. sucking. It would slurp all the data off your computer to for you to gotcha. be able to like carry it off site. Um, right. You know, nowadays we just have, you know, uh, uh, we just have, you know, virus or like uh, uh, chain mails that do the same thing. But uh, yeah. back then we were very worried about physical secure, physical device security. Yeah. Uh, slurp is a great word. So, so to, um, to vastly like oversimplify the conversation, <laughs> like, would you like, would are you a, yes, we should ban it or no, we shouldn't. Uh, I, I it's, shouldn't it be like a buyer beware thing? Like I kind of, 
I kind of believe that like if you gave people the option and you told them exactly what it was going to access and then you alerted them every time it accessed it, then they would make a decision as to whether or not they want to be bothered anymore or they even care. I think there's a lot of fear mongering around this, but like I, it's an adversarial nation on some levels. And I heard this incredible. That's a significant point though. I mean, if you take that as true, right, they're an adversarial nation, which your, your words, right? Some people would maybe argue that. It's the U S government's position on a bunch of things. So fine. Yeah. (laughs) So like, that for you you like you could you could say listen they're an adversary let's just copy the app and have an american company do it right that's the that's that's the argument it's 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 hard to say that's not kind of reasonable at least from from my perspective i mean it's one solution well it's a propose it you could propose that as a solution right like that you could solve it that way yeah i mean what yeah. you're saying is basically just shut it down like that makes, I, I think, um, and I don't think like we would be well within our rights to do it. I'm looking for a, um, I heard an incredible podcast, uh, this weekend that I will find, um, that was, uh, uh, I will call it now. Hold on. We will find it. <laughs> uh, Oh, wow. Okay. So it was from, I want to say it's from, uh, uh, M M P R, uh, M not in PR, but M P R, uh, called how China is exerting its global power. And it was Mm -hmm. this idea of, um, that we have, sort of lost an intellectual, you know, space race. We, we've, we've lost an intellectual arms race. Uh, and it was basically presumed that that happened when we spent 20 years in the Iraq and Afghanistan wars and tree, $3 trillion, um, on those, uh, where they didn't really do anything, uh, of note. Uh, it wasn't worth it. Like not, not on a human toll level, not on, you know, a uh, distraction. Uh, like there was no part of that that was worth it. Um, whereas it was at the same exact time, China uh, joined the world trade organization, um, uh, became now they run in it. Yeah. Now now they, now they run it. (laughs) So there's like, there's a lot of like, uh, global dominance or global economic dominance and, uh, and, and technology, technological dominance that we gave up, uh, in that 20 year span, uh, post nine 11. And, um, it just hasn't all played out yet. And sort of, there's this like, uh, fate accompli. Like it's like, we're already on the path and it's going to happen and there's nothing we can do right. now, which I think is Th- kind that, of a, I mean, I heard a, a Gary V in an interview interview once and he said it as clearly as anybody's ever said it. He said they won. Now it's just a matter <laughs> of playing out. Yeah. You no, know? It has and that's to play an, out. Right. That's an oversimplified, very Gary V esque way of saying yeah. it. But when he said that, I, I, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. You well, know? let's look at, so the counter argument is something that I heard um, Jason Calacanis say, which is, um, you know, Jason Calacanis, who has This Week in Startups, uh, angel investor in Silicon Valley, and sort of uh, a similarly as abrasive person as Gary Vee can be in a different way. Um, he said, uh, well, Apple, Facebook, Google, uh, what's another one? Give me another one. Doesn't matter. Amazon. Amazon. There you go. Those are American companies and they are like global dominant and, and they are at the top of AI application in, in the world. Like they have, we basically lead technology and what has created that the American free enterprise system. And his belief is that American free enterprise will always like the idea and the institution of capitalism and anybody in the American free enterprise system being able to create something and the American government not really being able to pick winners and losers is a fundamentally more fair and free society for which innovation can happen as opposed to a government which suppresses its people, suppresses free speech and suppress and like decides who wins and loses and who to give money to and who to allow to thrive. And his thing is it's just a fundamentally better system for which to build 
this kind of technological superiority on because the thing that you then like can a despot government pick the right solutions and the right people to bet on to upend and and control technology as a whole or will the free markets allow that to thrive in a more in a more uh assertive way and well yeah yeah. i think that that's the interesting thing about tiktok is that you can make that argument that you know china being sort of a fundamentally authoritarian country simply wouldn't be able to compete with the sort of the free market system of the U.S. or the West. And uh, that's a strong argument, um, you know, as an argument. Uh, but, you know, uh, then, you know, with, with, with like, like you said, in lots of areas of technology, China is starting to sort of assert dominance, right? Machine learning, AI, facial recognition, they're probably ahead of the game. Um, but now with TikTok, TikTok is the first time that they've actually come out and they are competing. So it's, I mean, Mm. it's, it's not an, it's not an argument that, uh, well, they can't compete with us because they're authoritarian. They are there, you know, (laughs) TikTok, TikTok is, is winning, right? Well, let's, let's wrap this up with a tiny, uh, a tidy bow because, uh, an hour and, and five minutes later, like we're not going to solve it here, but I will say this, the same company, that brought you, uh, uh, so who are, who's backing TikTok? Uh, uh, well, at least one of the investors is a company called GGV Capital, um, who brought you Poshmark and brought you StockX and Airbnb and who brought you Peloton and, uh, who (laughs) should I keep going? Uh, like all of the, the brands that are Pandora, um, Wish, like I, we could just keep going on, just go to companies under GGV capital. Um, but like venture capital as like, as a, uh, a funding methodology, like has like the same problems could be said to exist in other areas. I think the reason that this one is timely and important and worthy of inspection by a government is that it can be said that they're interfering in elections with things that are like uh, activists that are on the platform that are doing things that our particular government may not like, um, data collection aside, like making this a political issue at this time is sort of convenient. And, um, but that's how politics works, right? (laughs) Um, so if you have a problem with this, then you probably should have a problem with all of these other American companies that have taken the same money. Um, but we'll, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's, yeah, that's a that's a that's a fair argument. I hadn't really thought through um, the the VC funding side of it and how there yeah. may be you know kind of commingled funds. <laughs> yeah, I mean um, we've 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 got some like there's it's interesting. Um, I want to know what other people think. Maybe they can uh, tell us what they think in the comment box. We'd appreciate that very much. Um, well, yeah, we are over our time. So thanks everybody for tuning in. Remember to like, subscribe, like, subscribe, and give us a five star mm. in a startup podcast baby. directory. Um, yeah. All right. We're all done. Good times, man. Peace, homie. Hey, uh, go don't download TikTok because <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be bad. Yeah. It's going to be real it's bad. Crap, it's a crap show. All right. Pieces. Pieces.